Let us open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we're gathered here today. Ask you to lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit, that we would learn how to know you better and follow you more closely. And we pray as our Lord taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, I can take my mask off. Okay. All right, now this is our class number 14. It is on prayer. I think we have one more topic to discuss, which is Catholic social teaching. And then after that, we're really done. We don't need to meet during Holy Week unless we just want to meet and uh, do questions and answers for Q&A, which is a possibility. Uh, we could probably do that. We, could probably, we probably could do that at the bar. So <laughs> I'll open tonight's discussion with uh, one of my favorite quotes from the book, Learning to Listen to God. It says, there are three skills that once learned change everything. The first is learning to walk. The second is learning to read. The third is learning to pray. Prayer is, I mean, in each of those three events in our lives, it opens a whole new world to us. The ability to ambulate, to be around, to go around. It's so frustrating being a baby unable to move around. And so when you're able to go and to chase and to run, it just opens a whole new world to you. And the same with learning to read. It's a more intellectual world, but still it is, you are open to so many new adventures and understandings when you learn to read. And then third is learning to pray, learning to access the spiritual world and bring that world into yourself. That is an extremely powerful event in life. And we underestimate that because we tend to think of prayer just as learning a bunch of prayers. And while that's, that's nice and that's good and that actually is helpful, believe it or not, even though it, it, it seems very rudimentary, it just doesn't take you there. It doesn't bring you to that place where you are actually communing with God and learning to experience God. In fact, the experience of God is the purpose of prayer. So often we see the purpose of prayer as getting something from God. But the only thing we really pray for in prayer is God himself, to receive God himself. Jesus uses the example, he says, you know, who of you, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a stone? Or if you asked for a loaf of bread, you give him a scorpion? Or maybe it's the egg and the scorpion. But anyway, there, you know, if you ask for something, won't your father give you something good, what you ask for? And then he says, so it is for all who pray for the Spirit of God, to be touched by the Spirit of God. When we come to God to ask for something, whatever we're asking for, we are in essence asking for God himself, for his Spirit's presence. And in the presence of the Holy Spirit, all things come, whether it is some 
touch of wisdom, understanding, some knowledge of maybe, we, maybe we're struggling in our finances and we're praying, and we want to pray for our finances, right? We want to pray for money. We want to pray for that winning lottery number. But instead, if we just pray to see God, to know God himself, and let God's Holy Spirit be with us, that can be an inspiration maybe to a different job, maybe additional training, or there be a guidance. God, if we have him, then we have all things. And so that's why when we pray, we actually seek the presence of God himself. Um, so there are different types of prayer. I gave everybody a handout on the different types of prayer. And this is, this is kind of basic rudimentary stuff. These are Catholic prayers. Um, and this is one of the types of prayers. These are different recited prayers that everybody learns. We're not necessarily going to go all over, all over those, but um, we'll just kind of touch on them. Because this is kind of the type of prayer that Catholics are famous for, praying the rosary. And um, praying the rosary is not a requirement of being Catholic, okay? Some Catholics do it. I do it every day. But that doesn't mean it's something everybody needs to do. But the purpose of the rosary is the meditation on the life of Christ. It's not seeing how many Hail Marys you can do. The Hail Mary is just a very simple, memorized prayer we can use in the rosary. But it is, but the purpose of the rosary itself is a meditation on the life of Christ. And so there are 20 mysteries of the rosary. And those mysteries um, are the joyful mysteries, which are the beginning of the life of Christ. And that's, of course, the Annunciation. Gabriel, the angel, announces to Mary that she is going to give birth to the Messiah. And then immediately after that's the visitation. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, who carries in her womb the forerunner, John the Baptist, in that event. We meditate upon the birth of our Lord Jesus in Bethlehem, on his presentation at the temple in which Simeon and Anna prophesy about the Lord. And then the last of the childhood mysteries really is the finding of Jesus in the temple where he says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? The first time Jesus actually makes a statement about his being the son of God. So those are the joyful mysteries and the, the childhood, birth and childhood mysteries. And then there are the sorrowful mysteries, which are, excuse me, next will be the luminous mysteries. The luminous mysteries didn't exist until about 1990, or maybe, maybe later than that. St. Uh, John Paul II gave us the luminous mysteries, but they're the life of Jesus, his baptism by John, his wedding at Cana, the proclamation of the kingdom of God as Jesus went from place to place teaching the kingdom of God and healing. And then there's the transfiguration of our Lord where he um, went to the mountain and his glory was revealed to Peter, James, and John. And then finally, the institution of the Holy Eucharist, his last supper, which leads into the sorrowful mysteries, in which is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he defeats the enemy by submitting to the Father. When he prays, not my will, but thy will be done. He reverses the sin of Adam. Adam, who refused to obey God, led the world into sin. Jesus, by, by living a life of perfect obedience, then um, brings about the redemption of mankind. 
his scourging at the pillar as he was tortured prior to his crucifixion, being crowned with thorns when he was taunted by the Roman soldiers, um, carrying his cross up to the mountain of Calvary, and finally his crucifixion, death, and burial. And then there are, of course, the, the glorious mysteries, the last set of mysteries, the resurrection of Jesus, his ascension into heaven, the descent of the Holy Spirit, which in a very real way is the coming, the, it, it is the return of the Lord in spirit. It is, in many ways, I like to see it as really as the second coming of Christ. Christ ascended into heaven and then returned in his spirit to live in the earth, in his body, the church. And then um, the last two having to do with the Blessed Virgin, her assumption, bodily assumption into heaven. That's not in the Bible, by the way, because Mary died after the Bible was written. But um, anyway, there, there's the tradition of the church. There's the writing of the church fathers. It talks about Mary dying and um, her body being assumed into heaven. Not a resurrection like Jesus. Her body was assumed, she was assumed bodily into heaven. And then she was crowned the queen of heaven. That's the last of the mysteries, her being crowned queen of heaven. So those are the the mysteries, the 20 mysteries that we meditate as we, on as we go through the rosary. And the mechanics of the rosary are all here. You, you know, pray an Our Father and then 10 Hail Marys, and then you have some glory bees and some what's called the Fatima prayer, which is my favorite prayer of the rosary. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins and save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls into heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. And I like that prayer because that means, tells me every place around the world, people are praying that prayer and they're praying for me because I am definitely the one in most need of God's mercy. So those are the various prayers that we pray in the rosary and you use the, the beads to do that. Um, a similar type of prayer, a recited prayer, uh, which also uses the same beads as the rosary and that is the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And in the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which was instituted only in the uh, 18th, excuse me, in the 19th century by St. Faustina, the, uh, the key prayer there is, let me find this here, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And for, oh goodness gracious, about six months last year, we gathered daily on Zoom because um, Pope Francis had given a um, plenary indulgence to anybody who prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet for, um, uh, for those who have COVID and for those who care for them and for those who have died. So we would say that we gathered for six months on Zoom every day, um, starting during lockdown, to, uh, to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet together. But that's a beautiful, a beautiful prayer. Oh my, I says that I'm, I'm confused with the other Jesus prayer. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. So it's a beautiful prayer, the uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet, again, that you can, you can use. Um, other, again, recited Catholic prayers, the Memorari. Now I was not raised Catholic. And so my wife and I had to go to great lengths to memorize these prayers. And so in our own prayer time each day, 
we would, we would say them over and over and over again. And it took us months, because I'm a kind of old, and it took us months to memorize these prayers that most Catholics memorize in Catholic school as kids. But I always felt left out because people in church, you know, they'd all start reciting this prayer and they all know what to say, and I didn't know what to say. So I worked hard to uh, memorize these prayers. The Memorari as a beautiful prayer. And then this, this next one, Soul of Christ, is a prayer that's fairly new to me. I just learned this prayer last year, and it is a, a wonderful, glorious prayer. Um, probably comes from the 17th, 16th or 17th century, but it's a beautiful prayer, praying, Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Never let me be separated from you. From the malignant enemy, defend me. At the hour of death, call me and bid me come to you, that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. It's a beautiful prayer, and that's become part of our daily prayer routine also. Cheryl and I pray this prayer daily. Um, because it's St. Patrick's Day, I put St. Patrick's breastplate in there, <laughs> which again is a beautiful prayer. It is put to music. We sing it sometimes, although this is not part of my daily prayer routine, but still it's a beautiful prayer. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me. It's just a beautiful um, prayer of, of, of imagine, just imagine yourself completely surrounded by Christ, and it's a great prayer to take with you throughout the day. So that's another beautiful prayer that can be memorized and recited. And then, of course, the St. Michael's Prayer that for, for a few decades was being said uh, in Mass every Sunday. It was said at the close of Mass um, throughout most of the 20th century. And um, it's no longer, although some churches still do it, it's no longer part of the Mass. It's, you're not really supposed to anymore. But uh, it's still a great prayer and I've often suggested to people if they're struggling with addiction or with uh, some type of oppression, to pray the St. Michael prayer on a daily basis and uh, seek intercession, St. Michael's intercession for uh, deliverance from those. And so those are, uh, those are just the recited prayers that I had mentioned. Um, in here because this is kind of basic that's, that's that's kind of basic catholic stuff and i won't spend too much too much time on it just to know that these are catholic prayers that you're going to be ex you're going to be exposed to <laughs> you're going to experience these prayers all right beyond that of course one of the most beautiful forms of prayers is sacramental prayers all of our sacraments involve prayer baptism obviously holy eucharist which the church refers to as the highest form of prayer, gathering together for Eucharist. Um, marriage and the anointing of the sick, these are all beautiful prayers that are all sacramental prayers. This is how we pray in sacraments. And we've studied the sacraments a lot, so I'll go into a great deal of detail about those. And then of course there's extemporaneous prayers like the type of prayer you guys pray together each day as you share each other's burdens and you pray for one another, just simple extemporaneous prayers. And this can be 
Um, this can be very, it can be very simple. You don't have to use special words. You don't have to start it and end it in any particular way. Just talk to God however you, however you would with one another. Tell God what your needs are. And of course, you always want to, um, at least I do, always like to close uh, these extemporaneous prayers with the Our Father. The Our Father is, uh, it is a recited prayer, but it is more than a recited prayer. It actually is the model of prayer that Jesus gave us. And I gave each of you a, uh, a hand, little handout on the, on the meditation on the Our Father. I encourage you to do that. Take some time to go through that together. Um, it probably takes 10 to 15 minutes. It may take half an hour, an hour, depending upon how deeply you, you know, dive into the meditation on that Our Father. But periodically, if you just pause to specifically and intentionally meditate on the Our Father, that gives the prayer so much more richness when we pray it together in the church. We tend to pray it very too quickly in church. I try to slow it down, but everybody's, you know, everybody's learned. You just, you know, get, get this done so we can get home. But, um, but to pray it with intention and meditation and pause to reflect on each phrase. And this is my most common penance when people come to me for a confession is to do a meditation on the Our Father. Um, but to pause and reflect, I'm calling God Father. How is that even possible? How can I call God Father? And in fact, the word there is actually Abba, which is Hebrew for daddy. How can I call God my daddy? How can I be that intimate with God? And then, of course, who art in heaven. And to ponder that, what does that mean? You know, too often we think of heaven as a place. We used to. Think of heaven as a place somewhere on outer space. Um, but heaven really is something that in, inhabits all of us and all things. And of course, we went through the whole quantum sacrament <laughs> talk. But just to imagine God embodying all the energy of the universe. It's all, it's all God. All things come from the very nature and presence of God, God in heaven. And so you just kind of go through meditating on each phrase and allowing that prayer to really start to soak in. And that way when you say it, even liturgically in church, it still begins to carry that impact and that meaning. A couple of key things in going through the prayers, when we proclaim God's will and authority, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Proclaiming God's will and authority in all things. And usually that's when I pause in my prayer and lift up people I want to pray for, situations I want to pray for, to proclaim God's perfect will and authority in that person or in that situation. Um, give us this day our daily bread, which of course refers to the sacrament of the Eucharist, our daily bread, but also refers just to the to the, the simple things we need day to day. You know, so it's, it's actually got a twofold meaning there. And sometimes if I'm struggling in, with finances or with financial decisions, 
I'd like to pause there and, and just kind of repeat that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread as I meditate and kind of give to God those, those needs and those concerns. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I can always think of somebody whom I need to forgive. And uh, there, I certainly have many things I need to seek forgiveness for. And so we got, Jesus intentionally links those together, that God's forgiveness just doesn't come to us, it comes through us. As, God, as we pray God forgive us, then that forgiveness flows out to all others as well. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. A terrible translation, Pope Francis would like, I think, to change that. Um, because he says, God never leads anybody into temptation. That's a, that's, that's a crazy thing. But the prayer is all about giving us strength to, to resist temptation, to stand up and to, and to stay human in the face of a world that is increasingly robotic, to stay full of grace in a world that is increasingly drawing us to, in, to consume us with the materiality of life. And I understand the necessity of materiality, but yet can't we live our material life with grace and with the Spirit. So we pray when God lead us not into temptation, we're actually asking Him to be present and give us strength in this world of temptation, because there is plenty of temptation, and deliver us from evil. And so going through the prayer, again, meditating on each phrase and applying those phrases to your lives and uh, as you move forward. So the beautiful Our Father, that I always like to include, even when we're just praying together um, extemporaneously, yet always come and end to that, Our Father. Another thing, another type of prayer that doesn't get talked about very much is conversational prayer. When we're not officially praying, we're just sitting around talking but reflect, reflecting on, on God, on his presence, on his word. We're reflecting on his, um, his love for us when we're reflecting on the commandments of God and how we desire to live for God and to talk about our life with God. When we're just having conversation with one another about these divine things, we are in fact employing prayer, actually praying. And... Um, and God is listening. God is listening. God will always hear what our heart is speaking, even if we're just ch chatting with each other, even over a cold beer and pretzels. You know. So conversational prayer is itself prayer. I want to talk about some other specific types of prayer that is, we kind of delve more deeply into the nature of prayer. And uh, one of those is called Lexio Divina, which is Latin for divine reading. And it, it specifically refers to scripture. When we read scripture as a, as a prayer, and 
the way that's done is to, to read it slowly, to read it meditatively, to uh, repeat it, to take a verse and repeat it. One of the um, simple mechanics of Lexio Divina is when we read through a verse, to go through it and emphasize a different word each time you read a verse of a scripture. And that begins to give new nuances to it. Um, so we'll just do for John 3, 16, everybody knows that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That he gave his only begotten son. And to kind of go through the, and, and emphasize a different word each time you go through. And it gives, you start to draw out various nuances. And then there are times when you're reading the scripture and you just, Focus on a word or a phrase. And just to repeat that word or the phrase prayerfully, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you in, in that little passage through that word or the, or the phrase. And allow God to, to instruct you through that. God will like to speak to you, to work within you. And sometimes... There are two different elements here. One element is called meditation. And that's when we're consciously um, reflecting on that word and that phrase and thinking of its different meanings. Um, there actually used to be a Bible called the Amplified Bible. And it would like have a word and then it'd have four or five different synonyms of that word. So it was a pretty thick Bible. And because it was, every time it had a word, it'd have all these different synonyms for it. And that was helpful in meditation because you could see that word from different aspects as you reflected on each of those different synonyms. And that's a meditation where our minds are active. There's a second step of prayer called contemplation. And contemplation is different. Contemplation is when we actually step outside of the realm of our conscious mind and into the realm of the spirit. And our spirits are directly communicating with God's Holy Spirit. And that is difficult to explain because it's not a mental process. It's a spiritual process. It happens, you know it's happening, because something inside of you is stirring. But again, it's not mental. It's not something that you are in control of. It is just a gift of God. And when we enter into a contemplative prayer, into contemplation, then there's nothing to do but just let it happen, just to be still, to keep our minds on God. Like the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. And that's that contemplative prayer. We just are still and allowing God's Holy Spirit to work within our spirit. And that's a pretty amazing step of prayer. But that is 
Lexio Divina, using the scripture to make that, to go that process. Now, a different way to do that is called Ignatian prayer, is Saint Ignatius of Loyola who developed this prayer. And that is an imaginative prayer. Now, an imaginative prayer is often used directly with the gospels. So you read a gospel passage and you imagine yourself in that passage somehow. You're someone in there, you're someone there. You might just be an observer, but you could very well be a blind man that Jesus is healing. Or you could be a disciple who's arguing with Jesus, saying, why are you doing this, Jesus? Don't you know there are people that are trying to kill you? But so you, but you're, you put yourself into the passage as a character. And you kind of play it in your mind like a movie, or even more than a movie. You, you can employ other senses. What does it smell like? What does it feel like? What are the sounds that I'm hearing? And um, so you, you, you actually bring this passage to life with you in it and allow the, the Holy Spirit to guide you in that imaginary experience. And that um, becomes a real source of grace for you. My wife is really good at this type of prayer. I struggle with it. My imagination is not as keen as it should be, but she is really good at it. And she took a, uh, she did some study on, on Ignatian prayer, and then she started doing it. She would go, she was just kind of going through the Gospels. She'd pick a story, she'd do the whole thing. And she's a journaler. She likes to write in her journal. I'm not a journalist, journaler. So, but she's writing in her journal, and she's reading them to me. And I said, Cheryl, I think you're writing a book. He says, no, I'm not, I don't know, I don't. Nobody ever reads my journal. Well, after she had done enough of these stories that she, through months of, of prayer, she had, had gone through, yeah, she brought them all together. It became her book, Who is Jesus? And um, it's a remarkable and wonderful book. My wife is a wonderful writer, and um, it's a great experience. It's a great way to experience Jesus just to kind of go through each of, of these meditations that she did. And then that can kind of help you move on with your own meditations as you imagine yourself in the, in the scriptures, in the gospels. But Ignatian prayer is not limited only to, um, to the scripture. It's also, um, can be applied to the virtues. And so you can take a virtue it's like one of the three, three, three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. And you, can kinda, and you can just begin to prayerfully imagine, how would I be different if I had more faith? And just kind of go through daily experiences and how you normally handle an event. But if I had more faith, how would I, how would I handle this event? How would I handle this event if I were filled with hope, if I could inspire people with hope that I meet, when I meet so-and-so and, and, and began to imply imagination of virtues in your life. And this can inspire us to, um, to higher levels of, of virtue in our lives, higher, level, you know, higher levels of walking with God, of being used by God in a variety of ways as we apply the imagination 
of virtue. It's also useful, this is a, a book I'm writing right now, in the healing of the soul. We all have wounds in our souls that come from a variety of places. Um, some are from memories, some are from abusive relationships, some is from trauma. And to be able to apply imagination into that wound for healing. And so one of the imaginative exercises I use with people, um, particularly when we're dealing with a, a trauma or with an infliction of shame, is, is I have people just imagine this event which, call, which, which caused the trauma or the infliction of shame. And to see this event and then to say, but God loves, even though this happened, God loves me just the way I am. Even though I did this, God forgives me just the way I am. Even though this event has affected me, God accepts me just the way I am. And so therefore, I love myself just the way I am. I, ex I forgive myself just the way I am. I accept myself just the way I am and to use that imaginative prayer to bring healing into the soul wound. And then I have other imaginative exercises that are in my book for healing through imaginative prayer. One other type of prayer that, that I'll talk about, and this is actually probably the central point of prayer, the central type of prayer that, that my book, Learning to Listen to God, is all about and that's called hesychastic prayer. And hesychasm is just a Greek word for stillness. We talked about contemplation and being still before God. Hesychastic prayer is a prayer of contemplation. And it's a prayer that employs, um, employs breath. And in a similar way that, that you know, um, other, other religions use breath in prayer, that, that taking deep breaths in and out, and deep breaths in and out. And the classic prayer of hesychasm is what's called the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And classically in hesychasm, you would breathe in as you would contemplate that the phrase, Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, and breathe out as you contemplate the phrase, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in the um, Eastern, Eastern church tradition, Orthodox churches and Syriac, Syriac churches, um, they use something similar to a rosary. It's called a chakti. Instead of beads, it has knots. And instead of 50 beads, it's got 100 knots. And so, and they would, and the monks will go through and count the 100 times that they pray that prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. With this deep breath in, deep breath out. And this is a prayer that leads towards, um, towards contemplation. And I tell you, I can't tell you how many times I wake up in the middle of the night, because I'm old and I wake up a lot at night. <laughs> and, um, and I just kind of automatically fall into that prayer. I breathe in, I breathe out, I begin meditating upon that prayer. And this helps me to, one of the reasons I wake up is that um, my blood pressure spikes in the night and I get hot and it wakes me up. So that helps calm me, bring my blood pressure back down. 
helps me to relax so that I can go back to sleep. Um, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful way to pray. And uh, I can say in, in the Eastern churches, the Orthodox and Syriac churches, they, uh, they pray this prayer commonly, just like Catholics do the rosary. You know, they, they pray this prayer daily with their hundred count chakti. And you can use it on other things besides the Jesus prayer. Um, I love to use it to Psalm uh, 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. And because the word there actually is chesed, Hebrew, which can be translated love, mercy, grace, kindness, all kinds of things. And so I'll, I'll replace it. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his kindness endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his love endures forever. And so I began reflecting on all the different aspects of the Hebrew chesed. And, um, and that's hesychastic prayer, employment of breath with prayer. And it's a very, very ancient form of prayer. It's actually attributed to St. Elijah the prophet, which is probably you know, the Old Testament prophet, which is, I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's, a, it's traditionally attributed to him. <laughs> Whether or not he did this, we have no idea, but um, that's, that's where it, it uh, is supposed to originate from. And so these are the various types of prayer, and each one of these can be studied and learned and practiced. That's why I, I talk about the importance of learning how to pray. When we learn how to pray, it really does open a whole new world for us and um, is extremely exciting. Now I have also in the handout that I gave you the eight steps to effective prayer. This, com this is actually one of the, comes from one of the latter chapters in my book, Learning to Listen to God. And I think these are really important to reflect upon as we learn how to pray. And the first is to seek God, not results. So often we are tempted to pray to God for something. Pray to God for healing, pray to God for provision. But if we don't look for the results, if we look for God himself, if we seek the healer, not the healing, if we seek the provider of all things, not the provision, then if we have God, we have all things. And quite frankly, God doesn't always do things the way we want him to or expect him to. Um, did I tell you the story about the little girl in Boston or in, the, in Massachusetts? She's, um, I didn't know if I didn't mention this in when I was talking about Eucharistic miracles or not, because um, a Eucharistic miracle happened that was associated with her. She was a young, she was a young girl. I think she's like 12 years old. And she had a disease, which I don't recall what it was, but it left her in a coma. She was permanently in a coma and was in a coma for years. And um, people prayed for her, you know, prayed for her to be healed. Well, here's what started happening is, she, she never got out of her coma. However, other people who came and prayed for her, they were being healed. And there were numerous healings associated in, in the presence of this little girl. 
So much so that they converted um, her garage, the garage, her family's garage, into a little chapel, and priests would come and say mass there. And um, this was current enough that they were actually actually videotaped the masses. And in one of those masses, um, one of the, the hosts began to bleed. So there's a Eucharistic miracle associated um, with with her, but she was never healed. She did eventually die. But while she laid there stricken in this coma for years, many, many other people came and were healed. I don't, I can't figure out God. I don't have him figured out at all. But if we are seeking him and not the result, then we have peace. I don't know why God did it that way, but that's the way God did it. And God is who we, we desire. We don't desire our healing. We desire God and let God be God. So the first thing to know about prayer is seek God himself. Do not seek the results. Second thing to know about prayer is to pray with thanksgiving. I think I have a scripture verse here. Let your modesty be known to all men. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and give God thanks in every situation. Tell God what you need and be thankful. And the peace of God, which exceeds all comprehension, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Pray with thanksgiving. Give thanks to God, even in the worst of situations. And many times I've been with people, um, you know, I go into hospitals, I give last rites and the family's there, and we, we hold hands. And usually I, I will pray with them an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be, Glory Be to the Father. And I say, as we give God praise in all circumstances, even in our darkest hours, we pray Glory Be to the Father and to the Son. Even though someone's lying there dying that we love, we still give God glory because he is still present and, his, um, and he is still the consummation of all things. Death to us is not an end. Actually, in the, in the liturgy of the, in the funeral liturgy, it says death is not an end, it is a beginning. <laughs> and so we can actually give God thanks in the darkest of hours. All right, third step, always proclaim God's perfect authority and perfect will. And this, of course, comes from the Lord's Prayer. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We don't have to list, we don't have to give Jesus a laundry list like he's Santa Claus. You know. we, we just proclaim his perfect will and authority. So many times we miss what God has for us because we are pursuing something else. And we find ourselves flip-flopping and we get angry with God because he's not answering our prayers. But if we proclaim God's perfect will and authority, then we always know that our prayers are answered, whatever that perfect will and authority is. And oftentimes it's not what we would think or not what we would desire. But as we entrust ourselves to God, then we live in confidence. Pray in the Spirit and with understanding. Praying in the Spirit is, like I say, is that contemplative prayer, that prayer in which we 
don't really know what's going on, but we know something's going on because we sense that stirring within us. We are praying in the spirit and we are also praying with understanding. We're praying with our minds as well. Um, I think I told the story of, of uh, going to a girl's hospital room who had been uh, smashed by a, well, I didn't tell you this story? Okay, I'll tell you this story. Um, young girl, a teenager, she was a cheerleader, actually. And she was driving to high school. She was at high school, so she was driving to high school. And as she turned to go into the high school, she was broadsided by a pickup truck, which completely smashed the, um, I've got to think, the left side of the body. Is that right? Is that that's how we sit? Why should we drive on that? Because it smashed one side of her body, the left side of the body. And broke tons, lots of bones. So she was taken into the hospital and um, they immediately start trying to set her bones. They're, they're very concerned about, you know, the dozens of fractures all, all through that side of her body. And they're, they're working on her, but they failed to notice that um, her brain was swelling because they were so focused on the, um, what's it called, osteo? There's a word for taking care of bones. But anyway, they were so concerned about the, um, the bones that weren't noticing that her brain was swelling. By the time they discovered that and began to try to relieve the pressure from the brain, they said it was too late. She'd already suffered severe brain damage, and particularly in the, in the area of her speech. They didn't think she would ever be able to speak again and weren't sure what she would be able to do, if, if anything, or if she didn't die from it. So anyway, I got the call, and um, I went there to pray for her. And when, and when I got there, the family who had been there for hours, you know, 10 or 20 hours by that point, you know, were glad to see me come. I, you know, and they all left. I mean, they're, they're alone with her. So, you know, they could take a break, you know, because the priest was there. And so that's what they did. And they needed it. So, um, so I was there with her for quite a while. And, and so I was able to hold her right hand because her right hand, her right side was unaffected and prayed with her for a long time and really didn't say a word the whole time I was there. I just prayed in the spirit, breathing in, breathing out, listening to God. And I remember letting God know I wasn't leaving until I knew he had touched her. And so I was there for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, praying for with her, breathing in, breathing out, not saying a word, just communing with God. And then suddenly I knew it was okay. Jesus had touched her. I didn't know the, didn't know the end result, but I knew Jesus had been there and touched her. So when I went out and visited with the family, you know, and they had gone down and gotten something to eat and rested a little bit, so and they came back in. The next day she woke up from her coma, immediately started speaking, and, um, and it was a journey for her. She had to go through um, a lot of physical therapy, but she recovered and actually went to prom that year. going to make me cry. But that's what I mean. We pray in this with the spirit. We pray with understanding. 
we don't always know what God is doing, but we know he did something. And then we could move on. Next, pray persistently. We're called to pray persistently, especially when we are praying um, for a victory over something like an addiction or something. Um, you know, Jesus tells the story of uh, the unrighteous judge, the widow banging on the door of the unrighteous judge and won't leave him alone until he gives in. And a lot of times people use that story and talking about, about God. You know, you go to God and just won't, you just keep hammering on him until he gives you what you want. That's not what that story is about. <laughs> it's the unrighteous judge. It's those addictions. It's those afflictions that we have that plague us, that we have to constantly be praying against and, and seeking victory for and battling. And I love this verse from Hebrews, which I put in here. Do not become lazy, but follow the example of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. <laughs> we always want, you know, God to be the great microwave in the sky, you know, but we inherit the promises of God through faith and patience. Next, pray fervently and pray with compassion. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. How often we have been faced, we cannot think of how to pray. And we just give ourselves to God with groans too deep for words. Pray with zeal. Be serious. Be courageous. Be fervent in spirit, always serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in times of trouble. Be instant in prayer. Pray with zeal. Pray sacrificially. Give up some sleep for prayer. Give up a, a meal for prayer. Pray with, pray sacrificially. Don't say, you know, if we want to really gain victory in, in intercession, we don't want just to say a prayer and go to bed. You know, if, if we're stirred to pray, we pray. And many times, um, people have the experience of being awakened in the middle of the night with something to pray for and the need to get up and to pray for it because something important is happening. Um, well, that was what a Andy shared. And many other, many, many times I've heard that story. You know, God wakes up them up in the middle of the night to pray for something specific and, and to be responsive to that. Pray sacrificially. So these little steps to effective prayer can be extremely useful. And um, so I kind of covered a, a really wide spectrum of prayer tonight and I've gone over it quickly. Um, you can always read my book, Learning to Listen to God. So <laughs> any questions? Yes. Pardon? I'm going to put my mask on again. Oh, here, she's got... What about singing? Singing in prayer. Yeah, since St. Augustine says, he who sings prays twice. Um, 
That's right. And you know that and singing is a beautiful way to pray. And as a musician, I often um, will pray with my guitar and I'll just um, pray and sing spontaneously, not sing a particular hymn or anything, but just, just pray and sing and just let the words and music come. In fact, I did a, a song here a while back in a homily called, whatever is it called? Anyway, it's a song that I wrote just that way. And, um, and so there, there, you know, we can't actually you know, use music. Music is a very powerful form of prayer. Very, very powerful. Other questions? You got something in there, Zach. Is that, is that, can you formulate it or? That's okay. Sometimes we have questions, have a hard time putting into words. That's all right. I struggle with that too often myself. That's why I take sometimes in my homilies, I'll take these long meditative process, uh, thoughts, you know, process times, because I can't think of what to say next. <laughs> pausing for effect. No, I'm, I'm pausing because I have no clue of what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes my wife tells me, you should have stopped there. That was, that was good enough. <laughs> oh, you know, one of the things I hate about when I go and I listen to the, the, uh, the recordings of these things is hearing myself laugh. <laughs> I laugh way too loud. <laughs> uh, all right, shall we wrap up? It is eight o'clock, and uh, so it, it, and I was. I'm gonna. I don't know about you, but I think I'm gonna go down and have a, a beer for St. Patty's Day. Go down to the tavern and have a cold beer. <laughs> so let us, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we've gathered together. And oh, what a joy, Lord, to learn how to communicate with you, to experience your presence in our life with prayer to hear your word, to hear your voice, and to be guided by your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, enlighten the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be recreated. And through us you shall renew the face of the earth. And blessed Mother, we pray for your intercession, that we might always take time to listen to your Son and to do as you have instructed to do whatever he tells us. And so we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.